Okay, so today we're going to talk about a show that everyone generally enjoyed. I'd say we'll get into the nitty-gritty of it a bit later, but we're going to talk about Andor, uh, the series that came out in 2022, a couple months ago, and yeah, it's going to be really good. We're going to talk about things we liked, things we kind of didn't find as enjoyable in comparison to other series, but you know, that's what this platform's for. Before we get into that, I'd like to mention that we do have some social media accounts. We're on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, all under Coruscant Nights. Give it a search um, if you're interested in looking at more content from us. And I'm excited to mention that we have a Patreon now. So if you go to patreon.com slash Coruscant Nights, uh, you'll be able to go support us. Or if you want more exclusive content, uh, that's where you would want to go for that. So... We'll get into the episode now. So, Mark, do you want to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. All right, take us away. Let me just start briefly overall, because I will be mainly getting into the specifics of this show. But overall, I think it had phenomenal acting, phenomenal writing. Definitely one of the best Star Wars shows that Disney has made. Now, one of the things I've noticed, we know how Andor, what happens to him in the end, after all, obviously, in Rogue One, we know he dies on um, Scarif. However, I would say this show keeps us in suspense quite often, actually. We know what's going to happen to him, but we still wonder, is he going to make it out of this one all right? That's a good I, point. I suppose it's mainly, is he, is, he, you know, is he going to give up the information? Is it going to be detected? Uh, what is going to happen? I think that's where the suspense comes in. I think this, to add to the suspense is the amazing visuals and soundtrack that goes along with it. I think it gives off nice Blade Runner vibes, which is what we like in a Star Wars project, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think the soundtrack was definitely a, a great part of that show as well. Oh, yes. The intro, you know, how they all combine into one soundtrack. I found that really, really cool. Now, to get into the more, more of the specifics, my favourite arc, personally, in the show, I know there's a bit of difference of opinion with my colleagues mm-hmm. here, mm. but my favourite was the prison arc. Uh, I, I liked the suspense in it, I would say in every episode. Bit of a mm. cliffhanger after each one. We want to know, are they going to get out of the prison? Are they not going to get out of the prison? This com- adds in with my probably favourite character in the show, Kino Loy. Andor's obviously great as well, but I think Kino, I think Andy Serkis did a fantastic job of his acting. We always wondered, you know, he, he seemed like such a strict overseer, would you call him? Yeah, he was He was kind of like the... He wasn't the commander, but he was the one who was, uh, you know, making sure everything was intact and... Not intact, but, you know, everything was operating... Functionally. Functionally, yeah, yeah, functioning the way it was supposed to. Yeah, and you see, what's great about it is you can see over the few episodes of this arc, you can see the toll, the mental toll it has on him, being in a claustrophobic prison, seeing no sunlight whatsoever, hearing rumours amongst your fellow prisoners... It really, you can see how it affects him, even on his face. This is really just great acting by a circus. Just a point on Ken Erloy, I think what's really great about Andy Serkis and his acting is the way he's able to portray the feeling of defeat, um, knowing that, you know, he's never going to get out, even though he's so close to getting that. He's being robbed of that kind of feeling that, oh, I've survived in here for so long, it's time for me to get out. But no, I'm not actually leaving um, and then it's kind of like that feeling of being trapped forever. I agree with you on that one, Cooper, because I think they did such a wonderful job as when they were escaping the prison 
and everyone was jumping into the water and swimming to shore on how such a small minor thing that you wouldn't even think to believe would be an issue to survive is that he can't swim which is such a yeah. common thing for our even society where a lot of people actually can't swim mm. so it's such a defeated sad way for him to go out which is yeah really good definitely yeah and, and with your points about how he, he he's been in there so long he wants to know if he's getting out he assumes he is but he slowly starts to find out he won't be this uh this brings us to probably what I think is one of my favourite lines in the show. It's just so well acted by Circus. The no one is getting out line. He yells at mm. everyone else in the prison. Yeah. Once that old man, uh, well, essentially gets euthanised. Yeah. Because there's no hope for him, as mm. the doctor says. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another part of it was those small parts of the, the small scenes where where they're in the corridors and between the corridors they're using sign language they're talking what's going to happen what's going to happen what's happening to us you know it, that's another really suspenseful thing it adds to the to the suspense you feel you wonder well what is going to happen you don't hear anything you're just like one of the prisoners it's clever yeah. it's very clever it's clever you don't know what's going to happen mm. you can't understand their sign language mm. it's only pretty much right at the end even when the doctor comes and he brings a few whispers about mm. what happened the whole floor getting ex- exterminated, essentially. It is very clever how they kind of detail everything and make it all function that way because it's not a traditional prison kind of breakout story that you could kind of relate to anything else, especially when you've got, you know, these different tunnels where you can't communicate with others. It's really just this group of people that you can only communicate with. So I think I think it's exactly. quite clever. Yeah, I just really loved how you you kind of feel like you are one of the prisoners. Yeah. You don't get any yeah. of the information. Definitely. I think this is this contributes to what was really great writing. Um, speaking about arcs, I think my favourite arc in Andor is probably uh, the final arc of Marva's uh, speech because I think it was the most powerful Star Wars dialogue ever in any media. It was just... Even though you know kind of how the rebellion ends up being in the future movies, it's really inspiring to see how it kind of began, and it became began with such a minor colony and group on Ferrix. I actually want to just on that point. The one of the last scenes of the show we see is um, Bix and the rest of the crew. I can't quite remember the names off the top of my head, but they kind of all leave in a ship together. I wonder if that will sort of be some sort of foundation for the rebellion going forward because they've heard what you know Marva's what Marva's said how it's inspired them I wonder if that's going to be that kind of group who's carrying forward alongside the likes of Mon Mothma doing mm. the political financial side and Luthen kind of controlling the big picture stuff yeah it's very um they're carrying the speech from Mar- Marva to go to go into the future of the rebellion and tr- like give the word out to the people um, but to just conclude my favourite arc, I just think it held great power and, and made an impact with the score and the eventual conclusion of that season. It, it kind of made it feel like it was successful in what it, the show was trying to tell yeah. and how yeah. like how big the build-up was and, and how everyone ended up fighting for true justice. Yeah, you know? and, and with that massacre that we see at the end of the series, that's, well, it's a shame to see, obviously, for Luthen, but unfortunately that's exactly what he wanted. It's going to bring a fire to the spirit of, of uh, rebels. Such That's it, yeah. The group of rebels that flew off the ship, as you stated. Now, quickly coming back, I want to uh, talk about another aspect of the show that I really enjoyed. 
That was the political intrigue uh, thriller parts of the show, yeah. mainly Mon Mothma. There was also parts with uh, Saw Gerrera, but we'll get into that. What I really enjoyed was seeing essentially the foundation of the rebels, the Rebel Alliance, but particularly Mon Mothma's part, uh, role to play. The consequences of, uh, of actions of the rebels, again, this is going to loosen with, say, the massacre. Um, the Aldani heist, uh, we see uh, large consequences from, from this heist on the galaxy at large. The yeah, Empire definitely. bringing in uh, new laws again. Luthan wanted this all along. He, he's really, uh, yeah. I know. He's Short, a, he's, his, what was it? He's a, Short-term pain for long-term gain. Yeah, he's a real mastermind at getting what he wants. Even though they're all extremely negative things, they will uh, bring a fervor into, the rebel, into people in the galaxy to join the Rebel Alliance. So again, with the, the laws brought in by the Empire after the Aldani heist, we see an increasing military pre- presence, tougher sentencing, false arrests, as we see, yep. especially with Andor. Yeah, definitely. Jumping on to the after the Ald- Aldani heist, I personally think that my favourite uh, scene and shot of the entire almost Star Wars franchise is the eye and how beautiful it was. It but was. also, to add to the kind of Empire's garrison, I kind of wish to see more of the suiting up and the piloting and all the the empire side of it because we see so much of the rebellion mm. and how like they go into the x-wings and all the preparation for that so when the eye was in the background and you saw the tie fighters uh tie pilots um suiting up and going into the the ties it was just such a beautiful scene to to watch and definitely see. was yeah, yeah that was really cool you don't see that very often mm. that's it we see tie fighters so often in star wars but you rarely ever see them kind of suit up and get into Preparing into the TIE Fighter engines. itself, yeah. So Even the pilots themselves, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, going back to, again, the however, the increasing military presence, such as the TIE Fighters, we see more stormtroopers on the streets, or in yeah. the case of what happened to Andor Shore Troopers, mm. less of what is, I suppose, a normal police force, with uh, Cyril Khan as an example. They get... Uh, Overrided by the ISB, yeah. Uh, the military is coming in. Uh, m- more consequences of the actions of the rebels. Uh, Luthan giving up Anto Krieger and his squadron of rebels to avoid, right, yeah. avoid his leak in the ISB. Yep. That's uh, it. Sacrificing others so that you know you aren't compromised yourself. Yeah. Exactly. It's a risky thing to do. Exactly, and it's a huge ethical conundrum. Oh, yeah. We also see insights into Imperials who, rather than particularly what we see in the films, are not just order-abiding minions. They actually think for themselves. You know, they have motives. Again, Cyril Khan, go back to him. I at least believe he genuinely wants to make his community safe. He wants to limit corruption. He just wants to see order and stability as Palpatine, well said he would give yeah uh, but he's determined he, we see it through his determination to solve the case rather than following his orders to ignore it and even on that point just quickly um, it's almost like he's trying to find a purpose in life because mm. you got to think there's trillions of people in the in the galaxy and you know this empire's risen from the Republic there's you know new opportunities available and that's kind of where a lot of people will end up and it might not be the most courageous thing to do 
to work for the empire, but if it's going to provide purpose to someone as yeah, give I, I wouldn't say Cyril is a is a boring character, but you look at his his journey and who he is. He was he's been kind of an imperial patrol for his whole life mm. from what we've seen. So to just kind of keep having that as his purpose, I think is uh, quite interesting and also quite sad. Another aspect of the political intrigue, however, to go back to there again, uh, that I really enjoyed going again to Saw Gerrera, as I mentioned earlier, we get to see the different motives, perspectives of all the different rebel groups that make up the Rebel Alliance. Definitely. Now, his group and he himself, well, they're not admitted into rebelling because they're seen as terrorists, which, in all fairness, they are. However, we see, or actually we hear Saw mention all the other little factions within the the Rebel Alliance, which I found really, really intriguing. Uh, separatists. Obviously, Saw is not going to want to work with them oh, after yeah. what he experienced in his youth. Yep. Then he goes on to say Neo-Republicans, Sectorists, Human Cultists, Galaxy Partitionists, and then naming a few other specific groups. Okay. It was really, really, really exciting to hear about these little groups because we don't really, well, see or hear of them in anything else. Games, movies, shows, none of them. That's true. It adds more realism to the rebellion. It adds, it's reflects real life. When yes, definitely. If, if there's a, definitely. a group or, let's say, rebels opposing a government that they disagree with, there's going to be many, many small groups. They want to work together, but they can't necessarily cooperate if their own ideals are so opposed with each other. Yeah. They might not be able to unite simply saying, we want to oppose this oppressive empire, as I said, Saul Guerrero, the Separatists, they're not going to want to work together, even if they want to bring down the Empire. Mm. Mm. And even like like you said, with the realism of it and comparing it to real life, it's it's very good in making that comparison because in, in our world, it's not just good versus evil, like one mm. faction versus the other. Not it's not all. like, for example, it's not just the Rebellion versus the Empire. There's heaps of other yep. like groups that are contributing to this galactic effort as as is happening in uh the real world at the moment yeah there's a lot of moral gray areas in real life so that's why and or representing this gives another layer to star wars as a whole yeah yeah exactly it's really awesome uh all in all to end my little spiel i just want to say that i think it was an absolutely fantastic series i'm extremely excited for season two and hopefully season three of Mandalorian can incorporate such good writing skills. Mm. Yeah, very good, Mark. I think we all can agree with a lot of Mark's points there. It's such a fantastically written and shot show that we all want to see more of in the future, we hope. All right, and Cooper, what are your thoughts on Andor? All right, so like we kind of said in the intro, I do share some, actually quite a lot of thoughts with uh, the two fellas sitting next to me. But I will kind of keep it brief and general I think first of all you can't go past the acting in this series it's absolutely phenomenal and there are I think it's really unique in that it incorporates such a massive cast that each character feels important in the the whole story obviously there are some standouts you obviously can't go past Diego Luna as Cassian Andor he's the title character he's just the perfect casting for a for a for an he's not really an outcast, but he's he's kind of someone who's without a tribe or a family. Without a family, mm. 
who's just kind of wandering the galaxy mm. trying to find his way. A wanderer. A lone yeah, ranger. Wanderer. Definitely, ranger. Yeah. 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 Um she reprised her role from Rogue One. Genevieve O'Reilly as Bond Mothma. She was incredible. She stole the scene every single time she was on screen. Um, and just to deal with a different side of what the the main story was focusing on. When it was focusing on guerrilla warfare, I, Mon Mothma's scenes were all about the political side. And I thought that was really unique and really a clever way to tie the two worlds together. Yeah, I agree with you on that one, Cooper, because I think Mon Mothma as a character really adds to the political spy thriller aspect of the show, which I think kind of gave it an added more technical... Uh, layer to it which which got us thinking about how the behind the scenes of like the rich and wealthy ended up helping the rebellion in terms of money financial stability and how to sh- um ship all these important parts and stuff to the rebels yeah yeah exactly i was gonna say a similar thing jack how mon mothma she really brings to the show the you know the leader behind the scenes you know hearing about how is this money going to transfer between you know they have to bring it through different banks they need to make it untraceable, I think is the word they use. They don't want, obviously, the Empire to track them. So this really adds to the thriller aspect of the show. And it's things that what Mon Mothma does in the series that kind of you don't actually think about when you watch New Hope and even Rogue One. You don't think about these political and financial aspects that, you know, because the Rebellion is a massive group and, you know, people want to get paid for their services and also they need money to buy ships, buy resources, buy ammunition. There's all these sort of things. Yeah, all, all the logistics behind yeah. what we see on the ground. Yeah, and that isn't explored in like the Rogue One or the original trilogy, yeah. so that's really cool. I'd also like to throw a shout out to Stellan Skarsgård and Kyle Soler. I think their acting is phenomenal in the series. They probably weren't in it as much as I liked. I think. Mm-hmm. I think... Cyril Khan's story probably could have been a bit more... It was good in the first three yeah. episodes, but then it kind of just felt like the same thing until the finale. Mm. Um, We're kind of wondering, like... Yeah. If, where it was going to go. Yeah, is he going to be disillusioned with mm. what he's seeing? Is he going to work even harder? But we didn't really see what happened in the end. But I guess that's leading up to season two to add a bit more depth to all these characters. 100%. Yeah, definitely. And last shout-out has to go to Tony Gilroy, the creator of the series... He uh, wrote it, and alongside the acting, it's just, the writing is incredible. It's so well thought out, it's so well constructed, and just, it's incredible that this man was able to put together a 12-episode series that was, that had 12 episodes that were compelling, and that had great dialogue. Mm. Really in-depth. Yeah, and on that point... Andor probably has some of the best storytelling. It's not like, as Jack would say, a mentor-mentee type of story like you see with um, Obi-Wan Kenobi and The Mandalorian. The the plot for Andor is pretty intriguing. Uh, It's it's got a lot of importance, especially for, you know, tie-ins to the future of the Star Wars universe. There is one subplot I'd like to critique, though, because I feel like it ended up going nowhere. The first episode, when I sat down and watched it, and he was in the bar, and he was asking about his sister. I'm like, oh, okay, this could be a cool thing. Like, Mm. this could be a way to get him into the rebellion. And then it kind of got to episode three, 
on the Ferex, kind of the first Ferex arc when it ended. And as he's leaving, Marva says, don't go, don't go try, uh, stop trying to find your sister. She's, she's gone or you'll never find her or something like mm. that. But they put so much emphasis on it in the first two episodes as he was growing up that, you know, he had a sister. She's, we didn't actually see the fate of her. So she could technically still be out there. Yeah, I guess. But also when they did the, the flashbacks to when um, Andor was younger with that tribe, I guess it could be kind of hinted at that she was a part of the community that got wiped out. Oh, yeah, that's when Marva took her. That's so, true. they didn't explicitly say anything in, as such about the sister, but, yeah, you're right, when he first went into Dubai, it almost kind of kicked off how Ander was eventually chased by the Empire and the ISB and stuff, kind of, so it was a very big uh, turn of events for him. Definitely. Yeah, and, and how the flash, flashbacks essentially, well, they just stopped, mainly when Marva yeah. took Andor uh, to protect him. Mm. Well, that's pretty much where they ended. We didn't... We missed his teen years. Yeah, we missed a lot of his growing up. We missed what happened to his sister. We did get to see some flashbacks on Ferex, especially um, in reference to Clem, his Mm. kind of adopt. Yeah, his guardian, Mm. Um, and you know, obviously his uh, hanging on Rick's road, which is importance to the town as a whole. Oh yeah, definitely, and that's kind of similar to Marva. Marva Mm. and Clem were obviously. Hot shots in the in the town. And yeah, it was also interesting in that part seeing well, pretty much for apart from Order sixty six for the essentially the first time seeing clones as antagonists again. That's true. Apart yeah. from Order sixty six, you see them marching down the street, and you're like, oh, you know, these these guys don't seem like the the protectors mm. we've seen throughout, say, the Clone Wars. Actually, now that you mention that, I actually kind of forgot about that scene. I, I was I was actually going to think that it was going to be a much bigger presence with the clones since it's kind of not long after Revenge and how the Empire is still kind of bringing out their stormtroopers. Mm. I would have thought we maybe would have seen a bit more um, hints and kind of that transition with the clones and stuff and maybe as we've seen in the Bad Batch, I know it's a bit mm. of a branch off, but how they're kind of being effectively phased out. Yeah. I would have thought yeah, we maybe yeah. would have seen some maybe rogue clone troopers yeah. changing their pe- ways or having epiphanies and stuff. That would have been really cool to see. Maybe season two, you never know. Mm. And even like in, I'm just, I'm going one step further in the branch off. But there's that one scene in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series where um, he's on, Di- I think it's Dayu, Dayu? the planet, yeah. yeah. And he uh, comes across a clone trooper who's obviously homeless and he's like, got any change? Mm-hmm. So obviously, they still they still exist, but I think maybe Andor's trying to steer away from the Clone Wars side of it and steer more into the rebellion, rebellion side of yeah, it. And yeah. you don't really need that connection. Also, just to add a little bit to that um, homeless clone, it actually is a bit of a realistic relevance to how sometimes we treat our war veterans and how after the yeah. war they're kind of isolated and feel yeah. like they have no purpose within our society which is 100%. which is was quite a um big kind of scene emotion, emotionally speaking and they're exploring more of that in the bad batch and we'll talk about the bad batch in, in another episode in another episode coming up um as the others kind of alluded to i'll i'll discuss my favorite arc in the series i think as much as the prison arc had really powerful storytelling. It was probably my least favorite. Mm. That's probably my fault for viewing, like, because I, I viewed it kind of differently. I didn't. I watched. You didn't watch them. Week, I, one I didn't week watch at them a time. week by week because I was away, so mm. I didn't get to have that kind of experience and excitement um, and intrigue for weekly. episode to episode. And it kind of felt rushed, and that's again the my own fault for watching cliffhangers. It. Yeah, yeah. I think probably 
the most compelling arc for me was the Aldani arc. You had six, I think it was, yeah, it was six characters, maybe even, no, seven characters who just was so passionate about bringing down or making a dent in the Empire. And they just kind of, they're from different worlds, different ways of life, and they come together to unite on one thing. Yes, there's differences of opinions and there's a little bit of, oh, not really violence, but there's a little bit of distrust, friction and distrust. And I just think alongside alongside the... um, the kind of character interactions, the story is the most the most uh, compelling for me. Actually, yeah. Um, while thinking and talking about that right now, I actually had Aldani arc quite low in my ranking. But after you were mentioning about the different characters, I just realised actually how important that young that young guy was. In I forgot his name, yeah, but it was Nemec. Nemec, yeah, and his yeah, manifesto. How, how he was literally probably one of the driving factors and forces for Andor to kind of see initially how the rebellion means so much to certain people and how when the other I forgot his name again, the other guy who who ended up was trying to run with the money and take Andor Yeah, take Andor with him. It kinda of showed the progression already after like three I mean after um that Aldani arc um showed how Andor is already kind of thinking about his future and how important it is to stay good and do the right thing for the for the universe as a whole. So yeah, that was, I'll actually didn't even think about the end of the Aldani arc being so strong. 100%. And within within the Aldani arc, I mean, there's heaps of great moments. I think it's difficult for me to pick a favourite episode in that. I think episode 5, which is called The Axe Forgets, that's such a compelling episode. It's got great, great character interactions. It uh, continues and progresses the Mon Mothma storyline. But also then you look at the following episode called The Eye, where it's the heist, and it's just perfection. It's so good. The in, the Empire is just so greedy, and they, they think that, you know, they're on top of everything. They can take hours off to watch The Eye, and everything will be okay. And then this small group comes in, infiltrates, and pulls off the perfect heist, except for, obviously, when... Um, how many of them die? Four of them? Five of them? No. By the it, end, I think it's... Most of them it's died. five, I think. Oh, no, four. Because four I think died, there's three yeah. left, yeah. That's right. And, obviously, Cinta uh, also survives that and is... She's not really seen in future episodes. She's in the finale and kind of alongside Vel. Mm. But, for the most part, she was just kind of there for the Aldani arc. Yeah, yeah. If I can quickly chime in, I know it's your favourite arc. Uh, I just wanted to... Uh, say that I think for a few of those episodes, they're kind of filler, in my opinion. Like, at least probably episode four and five, I watched them, especially five, and I was like, okay, when's the heist going to happen? And mm. then the episode went on, when's the heist, they're running out of time, is the heist going to happen? I, th- I think primarily I agree with you on that, Mark, but I think if you look at it logically, it was th- the first arc, proper arc of the show. So it kind of had to have that build up for the characters, which kind of paid off later in the episodes. So I guess I guess it was necessary, which some people might think it was a bit more tedious, though. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, it moved Andor into a different kind of environment. He'd been stuck on Ferrix and you know trying to find a way out, and this was his way out into uh, this group and this new world to take on a new challenge. Uh, I'll I'll 
I know I said I'd keep it brief, I kind of didn't, but <laughs> just some final thoughts. I think the series is probably top, it's probably one of the most enjoyable, probably the best one I've seen from Disney. I think that in terms of its writing and its acting, it definitely outweighs The Mandalorian. Uh, not overall as a series, but yeah. just in its writing and its... Which I know it's difficult for Mandalorian because it's it's very... You know, you've got... It's more sci-fi, it's, less grounded when Andor... I think Andor can have that more realistic environment yes. and characters since they're not as... I won't, Not as... I wouldn't say just human because not all of them are human, but they are most of them in the show. But Mandalorian has a, such a big, rich, deep history... And then eventually with the Darksaber and everything. So I think that there's more sci-fi elements, which makes it less grounded, I think. Mm. So it, it, it it's really hard to compare the two sometimes. It is, it is. Yeah. Uh, and just quickly, hopes for season two. I think the, the series will succeed and continue to be successful if it stays grounded. If it gets too Mandalorian, yeah. it's going to lose some of the viewers. And especially, we know where it leads. It leads into Rogue One. It's a very grounded film. It's a dogfight film. Um, so it needs to stay grounded and I'm hoping we're going to get some cameos from the Rogue One cast. I think K2SO is probably a shoo-in. I'm pretty sure he will show up. I really hope Jin Erso shows up. I she's, hope Jin Erso shows up as well. I think she's my number one, um, uh, Anticip- hope, anticipation yeah, yeah. to yeah. come into season two. I really do hope so. Or even like a Bodhi Rook who's like yeah. an Imperial pilot oh, yeah. and you know he could be working yeah Galen we've got plenty of opportunity mm. for to see some of these characters and I'm pretty sure we've seen Rogue One um, and or even knows like Chirrut Chirrut mm. way. yeah he he's probably been to um, uh, Jeddah before mm. Mm. so yeah plenty of opportunity it'd be mm. great to see them interact with the cast that we've got so far yeah, so those are my thoughts. So, Jack, do you have any any final thoughts? Um, to be honest, I think Andor is a show that we all love and cherish uh, very deeply and hope for season two to be just as good. I think I don't really have as much to add anymore after chiming in my opinions and disagrees and agrees throughout this uh, episode. So I really agree with Cooper and how I hope that it keeps grounded and, yeah, hope characters from Rogue One come back like Jyn Erso and everything. So, those are kind of our general thoughts on Andor, and uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, If you didn't agree or disagree, at least we hope it got you thinking about kind of other perspectives on the series. And just as a final note, we're really happy that we're doing this. Uh, You know, Jack, Mark and I, we all, you know, we all love Star Wars, and we each have different perspectives on it, and it makes it so unique when we chat about Mm. it, because we've always got things to talk about, we're always going to agree, we're always going to disagree. So, yeah, as for next week, Mark... I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ooh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Interesting. Exciting. So, tune in to next week. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening, guys.